0: Hello and welcome to the Mangal Media Show. I am Mangal Media Editor-in-Chief, FL Levant. To learn more about us and follow the articles discussed on the show, please visit our website www.mangalmedia.net. Mangal Media is supported entirely by reader donations. If you like our content and would like to see more of it, please check out our pledge options from our Patreon site. Listeners who like fiction, can also buy our illustrated short story, Guide to Every City, written by myself and illustrated by Ala Alhassou. Guide to Every City is a guide for a fictional city inhabited by insects. The three different species of insect in every city, hopsters, sloggers, and buzzies, live segregated lives on their isolated neighborhoods. The book not only presents a commentary on social divisions within urban life, it also satirizes contemporary travel writing. The fictional author of the guide, Steve McCracker, is a thoroughly unrelatable hipster who genuinely believes that the rest of the world did not exist until he discovered it for some over-designed travel magazine. You will laugh, you will cringe, in the words of Steve, you will never be the same again. In this episode, I am in conversation with Sharanya Deepak to talk about an upcoming article about American television in India and the forms of aspirations it has inspired for Indian millennials. So, hello, I am with Sharanya again today, and uh, we are going to talk about the essay that she's been working on for us about growing up with U.S. television.
1: Hi. Yeah, that's (laughs) it.
0: Maybe you can tell us a bit about the essay and what inspired you to write it.
1: So yeah, you know, I'm not like, I'm not thought very much. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like well through the essay. I don't think I have kind of broad points that I've elaborated on, but it is something that um, I've been thinking about. And actually, I didn't actually grow up with US TV. I think it happened to us at least, um, you know, we had one television at home and it was eight of us. There was me, my parents, my sister, my uncle and aunt and my grandparents. And there was one television. So uh, my grandmother, who is uh, not from Delhi, which is where I grew up, would usually watch um, Tamil TV uh, from, so it would be Tamil language TV, because she's from Tamil Nadu. I mean, the rest of us are as well, but we grew up, my grandfather grew up in the north, and my the father, everybody. So, you know, our first language is Hindi and Urdu, and hers was um, Tamil. So she would, it would essentially be for her, you know, so, uh, and my mom, who's also a Tamil speaker. So my mom didn't watch very much TV. So I think, So a lot of like television to me in the beginning meant Tamil television or Hindi uh, soaps, uh, you know, Indian soaps, which are a huge thing even now. Um, And then suddenly my aunt got like a small TV in her room. And this was maybe like, it was 2004, 2005, must've been 14, 15. And um, we got Star World, which is like an American television. I uh, channel, and I'm not sure when Star Wars came to India, but it wasn't much before then. Maybe it was like early 2000s. Um, and uh, like India got liberalized as we, you know, called our economy becoming globalized is kind of like the economy expanded to the rest of the world. Um, economic exchange, factories for American companies were set up in India. Brands came. We had McDonald's like 2001, I think. Um, so that, you know, and Domino's Pizza came, like that kind of stuff. So I think American TV came, I was like old enough to like remember a transition uh, into this kind of Americanization of culture that is pretty normalized now, um, you know, because of the internet, not only TV. So yeah, so it's something that I was thinking about. It's something like, like, I think with that, there was a culture of aspiration that just like it was bombarded into our lives. Right? It didn't like enter slowly. It's not, and because India, uh, people who are Anglophone educated like me uh, in India, you're already speaking English, you're already familiar with that, with America and the UK and, you know, the world outside. So when it happened, it was just kind of like, a, you had to like race to keep up. Everyone was, everyone was like, kind of like, I think, I think we got the OC was one of our first shows. Uh which is like terrible, <laughs> I watched it a while ago, but it was just such a strong, like for to teenagers who are 15, it's like, you're showing all the stuff about like drinking and parties and like violence and sex. And you're like, okay, yeah, this is what we, this is how people live abroad. And also so wealth, right? Being quite pervasive. Also wealth, yeah, also wealth. And a lot of the American TV that I was instructed into came from the rich kids at school, you know? So they were like, oh, this is how we're gonna model our social lives now. We actually had uh, a gossip girl like situation in my high school, which was ridiculous. Like there was a there was a person that would like collect information about other students and put it on an anonymous blog, but with an Indian name, personal Indian name. Uh, so, you know, it was just sudden, very sudden. Everyone started buying Converse sneakers because we had a we had a store that opened, just the one, when I was about sixteen. And uh, now those shoes are now considered expensive, but like they were. And my mom you told me, she was like, you know, you badgered us to get them for you. And they were supposed to be expensive. And I was looking at like my blog when I was like 17. There's all these pictures only of like my new Converse shoes. There's like, I think I, I was just so besotted with my trainers. That I just took like all of these photographs and then there's photographs of me and another kid. with like how she was aligned. So it was just very much like suddenly wanting to, you know, suddenly want to like keep up. Uh, mm-hmm. And I have not been to the United States and... Back then, I hadn't been abroad at all. Um, but a lot of the kids that I went to school with were much wealthier, and they'd, like, do trips to New York or whatever. they had cousins and things like that. So they, for them, it was, like, a huge, like, being included. You know, they were, like, oh, yeah, now we are as a part of, like, this extended, globalized circle of teenagers. And, and like, people like me who didn't know what was going on, we uh, were just trying to keep up, really. So like, watch all this TV and, I remember like not really understanding what friends was about but like really forcing myself to laugh or, you know it's this like creepy thing where they do that back that 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 there's that laugh at the back yes yes. So you immediately know that you have to laugh as well so you almost get trained into their humor without actually understanding it so that uh is something that i remember really well like i remember those like i remember those moments quite well it was always that somebody like i had a I had a good friend who was You're-
0: you didn't laugh because you didn't understand what was said or you didn't laugh because you just didn't like the joke?
1: I didn't understand the jokes many times, you know, because you're not like, of course, like our own versions of like sexism and whatever exists here. But a lot of um, a lot of the jokes, which is very, I guess they're out of context, but then you do it and then you get trained into what is what you think is funny and then... Hmm. When I think about friends now, so much of like the racism and like anti-women kind of stuff, it's just so normalized. Mm. So you're kind of like getting trained into thinking like shitty like white Republicans. and it's just really like, it's just really, um, and I'm thinking that that's what you're supposed to do. That's that's like what you're supposed to aspire to. Uh, I know people that have gone to like Columbia and Brown saved up because it happened in television for like literally no other reason. Uh, you know, I know people that have. I like. I was telling you, I went to before the pandemic in two thousand eighteen. I went to this like dinner thing, quite weird and un- it was a bit unpleasant. But I met like a couple there who I don't know, but I remember from university. Uh, they uh, have done all these like fancy PhDs and gone to America uh, when they were eighteen years old. They've lived there, and they kind of like are saving money to put down on a house in where Friends, the TV show was filmed and where some of these characters like, I don't know, kissed on a terrace. So, you know, and like things like shitty fire escapes get romanticized, things like, it's just like bizarre. So to me, it's just like you go there, you accumulate all the wealth that you said you would and then you go and spend it on this thing that like doesn't actually make that much sense. Um, And I think to Indians, I mean to South Asians maybe I'm not quite sure when Pakistan got the American TV I don't know but it was probably like not much after us oh, Bangladesh but I think a lot of the a lot of like white supremacy strengthens itself through this you know like it it like exports itself to the elite in South Asia and says that this is what you have to aspire to you have to be like white adjacent you know you have to be come here you become the next google ceo or whatever like you come here like big tech you are involved and you know, like, they, like, it's very much like the powerful and one, the most powerful country in the world catering to the powerful in, like, a country where the hierarchies are very, very divided. So all of that, like, I try and think about. And I, you know, like, every, like, so many people rushed to the U.S. when I was 18. And then when I was 21 for their master's. It was like a, even today, it's like a, like a milestone. Like, if you haven't, like, touched base in New York City or, like, whatever, you're not Indian enough. It's literally like that. Like, it's like, what are you doing with your life? I which is like somehow dissuaded me from ever going, which is a bit sad, <laughs> but um, I think like, so there was just like, very much, I've tried to think about all this. I've tried to think about why is of the smartest, most skilled people I know run from this country to that one where they oftentimes get treated like shit, but justify it, justify it, um, assimilate into like, just like horrific, like liberal capitalist bullshit, just because it like, you know it's, it's what they've been working towards for their whole lives and yes yeah, so i'm like I, I see this as connected to the way american culture was thrown at us when we were 15. it's a pretty vulnerable age you know so like 14 15 whatever so yeah so i've think, just been thinking about it in the context of like social circles and things i think like, it's kind
0: of crucial that you phrase it as white supremacy because like when a lot of people kind of hear the word white supremacy they think about a bunch of white dudes in tiki torches or like um, hoods and stuff like going around to like lynch people uh but the the reason that i believe you are phrasing this kind of uh this adoration of whiteness and this like desire to be in proximity to it as white supremacy i think it kind of drives it home you know it kind of uh, it kind of emphasizes the fact that supremacy works not through just violence, but through an lured sense of inferiority as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so I think, you know, like when the Black Lives Matter protests were happening um, in America, I was in like a friend's group, I was in a WhatsApp group, some people from high school and There was very much like some, this like girl I went to school with was like, oh, you know, everyone should read White Fragility by uh, that author, I don't know her name. Uh, but a white American woman. And then like I just kind of casually was like, isn't it ironic that like a white person gets rich even when there's this, like mass resistance in the U.S.? Because that's just how I feel like that they've commodified everything with so much success. And um, it is something that bothers me. But the way that I was kind of like put out, they were just like, no, you don't know what it's like. And like, you know, uh, it's people of color that are telling us to read this and everything. And it's just this kind of assimilation into kind of, I think by white supremacy, I also mean like, I think like white American liberal culture as well, like just kind of like assimilate very much into how America thinks resistance should be codified, how, you know, just like not questioning wealth, like just like not understanding that wealth is very much part of like any kind of resistance or protest, um, buying into those kinds of uh, notions and thinking that you are standing up to something is to me just kind of a bit ridiculous. And um. Yeah, and there is a lot of um, adoration for uh, the American elite, you know, among Indians. Like, that's why when Kamala Harris, who happens to be half uh, Tamil, half Jamaican, uh, is from, like, a dominant caste community in South India, very close to where my folks are from. And when she got elected, I got all these emails from, like, distant relatives with with the American flag on it, and things like, if she can do it, you can do it. You know, like, very much thinking that, like, This woman has now kind of like made us, like joined us into the United States. And uh, Kamala Harris is a woman that is, I mean, to me, she's a, I mean, she, she's like incarcerated like hundreds of young black people. My like fellow Indians don't want to talk about that. So it seems to be some kind of success when you arrive in the United States, when you like assimilate, and the Google CEO is somebody that we hold with credibility because he's wealthy. And he's American citizen or something now or not. But he's like very much an American phenomenon. So yeah, I feel like a lot of that like I was internalized much before American TV came to my life. 70s, you know, in the 70s, a lot of like Indian professionals migrated there. So that is something we don't like to talk about. I think we, we want to talk about colonialism and language and English and British like colonialism and things like that. But we'll never ever talk about this kind of like warranted like (laughs) sacrifice that you're making of of your bodies and your minds to a nation that you know literally nothing about like so it's um even when you get there it's so opaque right like what do you know about like they kind of engage in all these credit systems and expensive healthcare and it's all just voluntary and it's not just voluntary it's like it's it's the metric of success like because I haven't been yet uh, and I, after university, I like tried to get into Columbia because I was like, oh, every, everyone does this, might as well. So I did. I remember like deciding not to go. And it was um, the most blasphemous thing for my social circle and my extended family. It's just like, why would you just not? And, you know, it's like $90,000. That's more money than I've ever thought about. And um, I know people that would like, take loans. Just completely disregard the rest of their life to just go there for a bit. Especially in New York City. There seems to be some kind of like it's like a it's like in in in, in Hindi there's a word that's called matha tekna, which essentially means when you go to a place of worship and you put your head down on the you know on the ground of a masjid or a temple and um, or a Gurdwara a Sikh temple. But when you like this seems to be how Indians of a certain class feel about New York. I'm American, so yeah. I'm just trying to figure out like what the cultural uh, drive behind that is, because it just it it didn't. It's not. It can't be only wealth, no. It's also this kind of like wearing a certain kind of outfit and going to some restaurants and um, just like being part of their, you know, drinking whatever Manhattans in Manhattan. This is like a thing. That, this is like a thing that people actually say sincerely about their life as a milestone. So I used to just catch myself sitting there just being completely baffled. What are you doing? If you're the best minds of our generation and you like have the luxury of actually chasing your dreams because you're rich, is this what you're doing <laughs> in the end with all of these uh, successes?
0: And what, what do you think the role of television is in this? That's, that's the kind of unique focus that you want to, you want to go with in your, in your investigation also.
1: Yeah, so, you know, essentially I started thinking about this also because um, I have a friend who now lives in San Francisco and he is a, he's a software engineer. I don't know, he's a date. I don't know. He like works with the cars that make, uh, the companies that make machine learning kind of cars, like automated cars, which is cool, you know. I like, mean like uh,
0: self-driving cars?
1: Self-driving cars, Wow, yeah.
0: okay.
1: Yeah, so for me, he's a smart guy. He's like, um, he's there, he's, um, he's, possibly going to be there for the rest of his life but in his room from one we the kids he has this huge friends poster it's massive and it's got all of them all those people sitting in like white t-shirts and blue jeans and a thing and as an adult um so I went to see his mom not long ago and um this was during like when there was like protests in the city so they lived close by to where some of the protests were so that area got cordoned off by the police so I couldn't go home and I had to like stay in the stay in his room uh and you know he's a very old friend and I'm like know his mother very well so I had dinner I had stayed up with her and I went to sleep in his room and then I saw this poster as an adult and I just kind of texted him being like why is this still here you know like what is this poster doing here and then he and I was like I'm gonna like take it down I'm sorry it's horrible like <laughs> it's just the worst and then he kind of protested and he was like no it's a very important part of my childhood and like you know I still watch the show so keep your ideas where they are like it's not it's like don't do it or whatever it was a friendly chat but then I started thinking about how many people like my friend very much bought into this idea through TV because I know that he wanted to go to New York City to hang out in um, places like these these characters like Rachel Ross whoever Monica etc used to hang out in that cafe that they hung out in was very much like a like that kind of life you know where you go to the United States, you drink like expensive cappuccinos and you have all this like sex with people whenever you want. And like, you know, you just have like little apartments with your friends and things like that. Very much like became introduced to us um, because of TV. So I started thinking about friends in particular. I started thinking about how much Indians love it. Um, And fair enough, you know, like that's fine. But I also like started thinking about if it like kind of planted this idea of uh, like a life of liberty being very much that, you know, like that's also what People like my friend and lots people I know equate going to go into the U.S. for being free, uh, being free of India, being free of tradition, being free of um, tight social rules about who you can have sex with and who you can marry. Most often, everybody come comes back with a spouse, literally from the same social circle <laughs> that they had back home. So it's not even like it's like mad revolution once you go there. But like yeah, so I think that TV had a part to play. Um, and just at the age that it came came into, and how much of this kind of like ideas of like social liberty and like open mindedness we formed, you know, in sync with uh, white Americans. So, or like things produced by white Americans. It wasn't always like only white Americans that you're buying into, but uh, you know, like, and also like a lot of like Indian war films kind of just. They just imitate American war movies, for example. So that is also a way that like those kind of ideologies are strengthened here. I just kind of like saying that if you oppose Pakistan and if you like are pro-war in India, then you will get, you know, you'll be like a rich, successful person that will one day um, become wealthy to the United States biggest software engineer. And they like always show you that the kind of like global elite that uh, exists in India, like part of the part that exists in India is always kind of, you know, they like Americanize everything to make it more um, aspirational and I think that a lot of that does come from the American TV. Um, uh,
0: one thing that you said uh, in talking about both your friends and their relationship to the show The Friends you kind of talked about their their educational background and you kind of said that you know you know these people are actually smart they shouldn't be like that impressed by friends But I also get the sentiment that they are not into things like this. I mean, their education is not an impediment to them being Mm -hmm. into things like this. Quite the contrary, Uh, they might actually be more vulnerable to this kind of aspiration because of their education.
1: Yeah, I think I phrased badly. That is what I meant. I think that um, the more... You know, it's also so like given these little blips of like the US when you want trips, or I we didn't have that much. I was actually my mom kind of like banned me from watching Friends in my own home, so I had to like go somewhere else because I think I was she realized I was becoming brattier. You know, I'd probably ask for things that she couldn't afford. I'd be like, I want this thing, and <laughs> she'd be like, I don't know what that is. And when I'd like tell her where it's from, then she'd be like, Yeah, sorry, we can't, it's too expensive. And I'd probably like throw a like So she completely, I don't know what she understood, but she stopped me from watching uh, that much TV at home. I don't believe that we were allowed anything till I was about 17, 16. Uh, also because there's one television and it was for my grandmother. But yeah, I think that very much it is like you say, it is that, um, yeah, it is like, it is this kind of like that class of people that are having to mostly be upper caste, upper class, uh, urban, educated anglophone educated uh, get their foot into this world uh, soon and then it becomes this kind of you know like a lot of people now will express shock at the state of the indian economy because they had all these plans that kind of just kind of copied american liberal economy to bring it here like and they'll just be shocked that it didn't work out because to kind of it you know like models of progress models of equality everything has just been kind of borrowed uh you know, and, um, and these are the same people that would, will be at the moment at like Yale or Harvard or something like there's all these like kind of like neoliberal economists that during the farmers protests in the country were just like, yeah, you you know, like the, the laws that the BJP government is introducing for complete corporatization, like complete corporate control of architecture, uh, sorry, of agriculture, they were like, this is going to work out because like free market will benefit farmers, not understanding the social inequality that exists within farmers, not understanding that most of the farmers can't actually, are not tech-savvy, English-savvy, can't communicate directly with big firms, like all of those, because they've they've just become so disconnected. Um, And they're just so kind of like pro-wealth and pro-escalated income, pro-escalated economy that yeah, it was just like many people that supported the BJP on these laws happen to be like uh, Indian Indians in America with fancy degrees. And that's also how the government like leveraged a lot of the support. Sorry, this is a bit of a tangent, but yeah, like you said, it is very much, I do feel like that class is, of, um, you know, obviously many of whom I'm in contact with, I'm even part of in many, many ways, um, is... Um, is just more vulnerable to this, uh, like glorifying the US?
0: It. I think it's a bit of a slippery slope because I mean the kind of situation you're describing in our conversations before, also like the similarities between India and Turkey in the sense that uh, there is now in Turkey for 20 years in India for how long has the Modi government been in place for? Has it been? It hasn't been 10 years. I'd it? say it's 80 years. No, no. no. Um, so. These are kind of, I mean, I just call them regimes that are kind of obsessed with washing off all Western influence in the country. Yeah. Uh, which creates, I mean as much as we both are kind of grossed out by what friends represent and what like how it kind of reverberates to a certain privileged class. Mm-hmm. There is also has been a backlash to kind of, I don't know, promiscuous sexuality or whatever, or like sexual liberty that is yeah. described in France. There's been a backlash against that from a political circle that has been swept into power uh, with great popular vote. So, you know, people who are not convinced by friends, but who are not convinced by... The government's attempts to kind of turn everything into national culture all over again. Like people like us, basically, yeah. we kind of get stuck in between a populist nationalism and this kind of, what do you call it, neoliberal aspirationalism? Or, and
1: yeah, yeah.
0: How does that feel?
1: Yeah, I did like, I mean, spot on, really. I think that, um, you know, yeah, there's also this. Obviously, I see the appeal of the, and so much of like my ideas of like sexuality or mobility do also come from um, television and like, you know, Western culture that I have invited and accepted and welcomed and things like that. Um, Yeah, but there is very much, like, I remember there's a colleague, uh, Meher, her is Meher Varma, and she wrote about women's bodies being in during liberalization, during like, when um, foreign brands came in, but also Western diets were suddenly introduced. And also like, when Western brands came in, Western women uh, came in as like, I mean, they always have been, but like very, very-
0: You mean in advertising?
1: In advertising or or in like stores, like in Zara and all, you'd see like, you know, you'd see, you'd see, you'd see girls that were not Indian, like with like different body types on they the, were
0: bringing expats to be cashiers in the zara store in India.
1: no 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 I, on on the I, I mean on ads yeah like uh,
0: okay, on, okay. on printed ads or okay. on
1: brochures or um and the sizes that suddenly came in um were not made for us so essentially what maher i think tries to figure out is at that time women were also introduced to this kind of like Mobility in their bodies and like sexual liberty because of like being exposed to other cultures. And the like kind of like Indian populist imagination, Indian patroning to rise power then started clamping down on these things and saying, like, you know, why Indian women wearing jeans and why Indian women doing this and this isn't, you know, like the kind of like. They panicked because they thought the Bhartiya Nari, which like the Indian woman, was in danger. Like the Indian woman, who is wife and mother, uh, and nothing else. Um, there was that very much, but there's also like the challenge that Indian women suddenly faced because they were on the global stage. You know, we had our first like Miss Universe, Miss World, and everybody like, you know, Indian beauty was becoming accepted by the West, and to the point where. You know, but like there'd be all these things about like the most beautiful women in the world being in South Asia and things like that. But that's also because like they, a lot of our Miss Worlds and all that happened to be it was the early 90s uh, and then the mid 90s. So there was like this thing about like okay, yeah, being like being excited about being now being a woman of the world, or but then also at the same time trying to mold our bodies to Western expectations. You know, trying to like be a certain size or eat a certain way, Western diets. To India's elite, it uh, was a huge thing. It's like a huge industry. And now, very much, it's like the industry, you know, wellness and everything that the way it's identified at the moment is like terminate lattes and, you know, power yoga and things like that, which then started. So it was like a it was a slippery slope because suddenly you were at, they said you could be at power with like white Western women, but then you had to like be a certain way and look a certain way. And then you're t- at the same time, you had these you had like Indian patriarchy on your backs kind of saying that you can't do this and you can't wear parents and you can't go to work and you can't have live-in relationships. So it's like I think it's I think it's always um it's always a bit of both. And in that way, like I feel like people younger than me, uh, people who are using the Twitter and Instagram, I'm sure it has other challenges, but just the way that like younger women communicate with each other across the world just seems a bit less imposing because I used to be quite like dictated to by uh, Western standards of beauty, but now there's more kind of like, you know, there's more exchange in a way because they're all on the same platform. So I do, um, I do look to younger people for inspiration when it comes to like, comes to thinking about my body and comes to thinking about like sexuality and things because we just did not, like that, that, that gray area, um, like that area of like actually feel, letting anything empower us, I didn't, like it skipped me. Like I only remember all the bad things from like even American television, like the kind of like rapey scenes or the getting drunk and passing out. And you know, like that, those kind of, those kind of cultures are very much for some reason welcomed, but not not the other kind of, you know, maybe the stuff that could have been a bit like affirmative. Uh,
0: What you've actually said, It kind of made me think about, we were talking about the history of television and the and the TV that we grew up on and shows like Friends or I don't know, even the North shows like The Office or whatever, they have this kind of, uh, there is a kind of misogynist and often racist kind of undertone that's kind of going through them because they are old. Uh, but now there's a lot of kind of Uh, TV content especially on digital platforms again still coming from the US like there was Euphoria for example I think it was called Euphoria right and there was this kind of like animated uh, Big Mouth which kind of like deal with sexuality a lot and they deal with uh, they deal with politics they deal with race and they do it much more positively than previous generations of TV did So my question to you is, like these content are still coming from the U.S. So is is it still a problem? I mean, if we get our kind of like body positive, anti-racist and kind of like affirmative TV content from the U.S. in this day and age, is there still going to be need for like locally produced content to shape aspirations in a local setting? Yeah,
1: so I think that... Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. And obviously a lot of the American TV I've watched recently, like in the last like three years, has been it's been better because it's been, um, it's not been as, it's not felt as, as like exploitative as the stuff I watched when I was younger. You know, like, I remember like everybody idolized the OC because I was like a main show. <laughs> and and uh, it was, it was one, it's like full of, uh, it's full of sexual assault. It's just like full of it. I like in like four episodes, it's happened about five times. So that was very normalized. Um, when we were growing up. Um, It's full of like, kind of like, just kind of like, like, you know, like, it's kind of like, patriarchal like, verbal violence against women, uh, which was also normalized as a way to, it also, it like affirmed a lot of the things that people would just like, change their face of it. You know, change the way they, like kids would just change. It wasn't great. It was it's, it's it's exploitative. It's abusive. Like the language that that show specifically introduced to us. I remember. Um, also the same with Gossip Girl, which is probably like two thousand six or something. I remember. But in the first, like there's like the first season is about two or three seasons. And I my younger cousin uh, he's sixteen. He's outside and he uh, he he watched it and he was just kind of. Like, you know someone gets raped and that's you know, like watched it back and he's right like it's like two episodes in there's already you know there's like a one of the main characters gets gets assaulted and then they just like move like, they, they, that's not uh it's probably not you know it's not it's not it's not as much as it used to be it's not as toxic as it used to be um i watched recently i was i mean like i was talking to him but he's a way they aren't so much aspirational as just kind of like a carry on from what their life used to be so um but then he was like when you talk about all this are you talking about atlanta i was like i'm actually not i'm not thinking about atlanta it's about these like five rappers uh so it's for like one rapper and it's underage in atlanta and it's mostly about like young black men in neighborhoods in Atlanta. So that's not what I'm thinking about. And I think like a lot of like my vocabulary for anti racism of contemporary like. um, with these politics because I don't believe that apart from like a certain kind of elite like liberal educated class and everybody to be savvy with language and expect everybody to understand what non-binary means or or anybody like yeah. So I, I do think that in that way it kind of like to sort of like imitate any kind of progress culture from anywhere else. Especially one that is very much molded on whether it is the movement and the way that um, violence and everything manifests is not like in the West. You know, like the way people here move move ahead with their bodies, or think about think about like family and things like that can't just be imitated from somebody else. And there's, you know, there's this huge thing where now suddenly there's a, there's a tradition of like shaming people who live with their families. Like, it's this kind of like, oh, you know, like you haven't moved out yet. You haven't got your apartment. <laughs> this is not, we didn't say apartment like 10 years ago. So it's, but this is a family-oriented culture. So you're not regressive Like, and this is, so, and you know, like, so it also creates this kind of like, like, lots of people can't afford to move well and woken up to you know modern like kind of like sort of like scrubbed woke politics which is which is not great because then you're like you know methods of progression and affirm like affirmation can be found within our context as well um definitely shouldn't be governed by people of a certain uh caste and class you know but i think that there needs to be and there is like there is a tendency to kind of like you know like i remember i told you when this saw you know when like the um when the bombings and gaza were happening this time um there was i saw something on twitter which is like a young man from a state in the east he he didn't know what was happening so he just kind of like put up put up like a picture of himself and was like i stand with Israel and then like realized what was happening and then took it down and then um a lot of people like gave him a lot of like on twitter gave him a lot of grief for it what kids from fancy colleges kids, kids speak english to go out there like and no understand the world like, to be worldly whatever like progress, uh, so this was an you know, indian kid
0: traumatic. who who had like a placard that said i stand with israel
1: Yeah, and there was like a kid that happened to just think that he was like, and then he kind of was like, oh no, no, I didn't know this was a thing, and then he took it out, but then he got like, he got like, uh, got like, kind of cornered by a lot of quite like elite other quite elite teenagers, and be like, you know, people like you don't understand what's happening in the world and all that, but like truly he doesn't know, and I don't believe that I quite understood worldly politics till I was, in like. My second, you know, like I was at 21, 22. Uh, So also your exposure of the West and your exposure, what is right and wrong, West-wise, is very much a thing of like privilege. So that is something that we have to account into, you know. And there's a lot of like, like uh, Arya, my cousin, he's 22 this year, and he was saying that like he goes to like a liberal arts university outside Delhi, which is like first of its kind, and has all these like super posh kids, and um, They'd kind of like preach to, and he was saying, he was saying, like, he was like, you know, it's kind of weird because, like, everyone from college just pre- preaches to everybody else about what they should be feeling or how they should be feeling about, like, um, queerness or, uh, you know, anti racism and things like that. And it's not, it's not great. Like, it's not like that. Because we can't move uh, in this because societies are structured differently. So, yeah, in that way, I think like very long answer, but I do think that, you know, I think like all of the, I mean, I appreciate that American TV sort of like have, within South Asia, I don't mean this is like an Indian context. I feel like I think about South Asia as a, as like a cultural like sphere. And I think like within, within South Asia, if there can be, I honestly think that if I, I'd like rather watch more Pakistani TV to like understand where they're at or like, you know, um, then constantly just watch American TV just because I want to be familiar with like people much like myself before I become familiar with whatever Upper East Side and things like that. So, yeah.
0: I think one of the things, for example, you know, like Turkish TV has become kind of like really popular in the last um, couple of years and yeah a lot of people are talking about its financial Mm -hmm. success and how it's been able to kind of like go global in in different countries as well. Because apparently like Turkish TV has a way of, uh, what's the word, kind of representing more like family values that are kind of prized in the Middle East and in the Balkans region. So that's why it's so popular there because it kind of represents them better. But I've also been thinking a lot about, for example, how like yeah. in Turkish TV, there's been like a recent trend of like doing historical dramas uh, about like the creation of the Ottoman Empire and things like that, which I think those subjects are quite interesting, but the shows become kind of like unwashable to me because of the amounts of propaganda that's involved in them. It's like everything that the Turkish people have done, like the Ottoman, the founders of the Ottoman Empire have done, uh, kind of celebrated and their enemies are always like really corrupt and cruel people i mean i understand that like within the historic context this kind of like grew up from like a small tribe that was surrounded by large empires and they kind of like you know really struggled to turn themselves into something but it just kind of becomes becomes incredible to me when like everyone who is like on the way in the way of the ottoman empire is like personally cruel uh it just kind of starts to like bend the rules of credulity at that point so so i'm thinking about like when people talk about reclaiming possibilities for understanding like global problems when it comes to things like um queer rights and uh especially recently the 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 more kind of like the understanding that people can be non-binary and things like that I mean, a lot of the times people talk about like how there's like a local historic context for being able to understand that, which has been kind of suppressed uh, by Western culture. Like there was this debate when India legalized uh, homosexuality, right? It was, I don't know, four or five years ago. And there was this big discourse about like how it used to be uh, how the law that decriminalized uh, homosexuality was actually... Put on by the British, and how decriminalizing homosexuality right now is an act of decolonization in India because India has like a really rich history of homosexuality and queerness, etc. And I saw a lot of people kind of like criticize that really interestingly, saying that you know. Uh, homophobia, or as we know of it today, like the, the name we give it is homophobia, but kind of like being prejudiced towards queer people was not something that was absent in India. It wasn't this like magical land of like, um, everyone being free to express themselves sexually, whatever they wanted. Uh, so pretending that uh, the English are the only reason why, homosexuality was banned in India, it's kind of like dishonest to the tradition of homophobia in the country in itself. Like we have a lot of that kind of discourse in Turkey as well, people trying to grapple with uh, traditional representations of uh, queerness and homosexuality during the Ottoman Empire. And people are always trying to be really careful about not making it sound as though like homophobia is something that was totally imposed by kind of like a mm. colonial western influence, but being able to kind of yeah. celebrate the instances in the history of the queerness uh in Anatolia yeah. and within within the Ottoman Empire as well. It's, it's that's that's also a very slippery slope.
1: Yeah. I think the response to this like kind of a like very specific Indian postcolonial type of thing to for the response is for something to criticize the west or like western capitalism is to go back to pre-british and be like oh we were perfect and we were we had kings and food and free-flowing sexuality it's just like when it's like ridiculous it's easy um and this happens too much it happens too much but it's like before the british came we were like perfect country (laughs) honestly i don't feel like any way that it has and um like stratified into castes and regions and all kinds of like all kinds of inequalities that they essentially capitalized on it's not like they invented it <laughs> they invented it here so uh, yeah it's just yeah that's like sorry just like responding to that you're right that it's just like a reductive thing i think what i mean with like having a look, yeah so i think that you know this is like an easy way out for i think and a lot of post-colonial scholars have been criticized for this because decolonization doesn't it should if it is about like gathering equality, it can't just be like, Oh yeah, pretty